Welcome to Vineyard Cardiff's podcast. It's great to have you with us. This week, we've got a one-off message from the hero of the faith, the legend that is David Pike. David has been part of our community for many years, and he's a real grandfather of our community. He loves Jesus deeply, and we cannot wait to hear the message that he has for us. So enjoy. I want to speak today from verses that I was given back in 1975 when I was brought into membership of a small evangelical church in Norwich, one in which Hazel and I later got married. They're words from the start of Hebrews chapter 12, the first two verses, and it's the passage which follows immediately from on from the account of the great heroes of the faith in which Gideon is mentioned, about whom James has been speaking to us recently. Let me just read the verses first of all. It says this, Therefore, since we are surrounded by so great a cloud of witnesses, let us also lay aside every weight and the sin which clings so closely, and let us run with endurance the race that is set before us, looking to Jesus, the founder and perfecter of our faith, who for the joy that was set before him endured the cross, despising the shame, and is seated at the right hand of the throne of God. Some years ago, I went to North Pembrokeshire to visit an American missionary named Dick Funnell. I met Dick at Kilvoira Chapel, a place where, in which Dick spends hours most days praying for revival to come again to Wales. And as we stood in the burial ground of the chapel, surrounded by the many headstones of the believers who over three centuries had lived faithfully and been witnesses to the love of God and had experienced revival there, these verses from Hebrews describing the cloud of witnesses came strongly to my mind. I knew that at that moment that these all around us were now part of that great cloud of witnesses in heaven. It was a moment of revelation for me and it had a profound impact and changed the way that I see things. I live now with a very real awareness of the cloud of witnesses all about us. Now, a conservative theological view of the meaning of cloud of witnesses sees them as those who have simply witnessed to the truth in their lives and who now as a result are with God. But another view held by many sees the witnesses as those who have gone before us and who in heaven still surround us on all sides like a vast crowd at an athletics track, cheering on all those who are now on the field of play. And this is very much how I now see things. When Luke 15 verse 7 says, for example, there's joy in heaven over one sinner who repents, I believe that that means that heaven witnesses and celebrates our successes in overcoming. That witness cloud includes all who have been involved in starting the original church that became the gate, and that was back in the last years of the 19th century. Among them were Edwin Rees, the founder of what was known as Pres uh, Plasnewith Presbyterian Church to give the gate its original name, and John Pugh, an evangelist who was then living in Pontypridd, who was Reese's close friend. He was to develop one of the most significant church planting movements Wales 
has ever seen. Edwin Rees, who was a young commercial clerk, moved to Cardiff in 1884. He had a passionate desire to extend the kingdom of God, where there was a need for a Christian presence in Cardiff, which was then a rapidly expanding coal port. His friend John Pugh put him in touch with like-minded others, and in 1885, in Rees's home on Woodville Road, they made plans for this church. It certainly didn't hang about. There was a passion, a determination and an energy about this group that ensured a good start. The following year, 1886, John Pugh attended the opening of the first building, which is still there at the back of the present church. This became the prototype for dozens of new churches which were subsequently started by Pugh and his team all over Cardiff and elsewhere in South Wales in the decades that followed. No less than nine churches were established in Cardiff, including the present-day Heath and Highfields churches. These churches collaborated strongly in social action projects, working with the poorest in Cardiff society, including ex-prisoners and prostitutes. The new church on Keppock Street grew rapidly, and a much larger building, the present one, was begun in 1901, just in time for the Welsh Revival. It became the flagship of the English-speaking Presbyterian churches in South Wales. And there have been many others besides those two who have worshipped and served God in what is now the gate down through the years. And they are all in that great cloud of witnesses cheering us on as we now follow in their footsteps and are inspired by their example. On a different level, many people in my own life have been an example and an encouragement to me. And many of us will have had family members who've prayed for us and Christian ancestors who are now among the cloud of witnesses, even though we may not have known anything about them. Some of us have also had our lives greatly impacted by friends and close associates who are now in heaven. And I just want to take this opportunity to honour two men in particular who had a huge impact on my own life and who are now both in heaven, in the cloud. One of whom died very recently at a relatively young age. First there's Walter. Let me tell you about him. He was a pensioner, a former agricultural labourer, a great man of simple faith and trust in God, who loved God with all his heart and whose life was continually full of joy. When his wife Doris died of heart failure, after a minor car accident as they were returning home from church one Sunday, I went to visit and console him. And I came away being the one receiving encouragement from him. It was a deeply humbling experience and a real demonstration of what the life of joy looks like. I remember him saying to me, God has been so, so very good to me. I want for nothing. I love him. Yes, I do. I love him with all my being. And then there's Rob, my friend, whose funeral Hazel and I went to just two weeks ago. He was a baker's son. He served with me as an elder in Lowestoft. And he pioneered 
ministry to AIDS victims in East Anglia at the height of the HIV AIDS crisis. He was often reviled by gays for being a Christian, but criticised by Christian leaders for what he was doing. And it was a huge privilege and deeply moving to pray with him throughout this period. Later, he suffered great weakness and was often in terrible pain for more than 20 years. And yet he never, ever complained. He was a man full of laughter and joy in spite of it all and was greatly loved. There are many more in my past, in ours, all now in that great cloud of witnesses who are a source of encouragement and inspiration, willing us all on from heaven. And their message as they cheer from the stands is simply keep going. There's so much joy here in heaven, you cannot possibly realise how much, but one day you will experience it yourselves. And therefore, in view of this, the verses continue. Lay aside every weight and the sin that so easily entangles us. Every weight refers to burdens, all the unnecessary stuff that may not of itself be bad, but that encumbers, slows us down, wears us out. The images of an athlete running a race, having laid to one side anything that is unnecessary or unimportant that would prevent him from running well. And then sin is referred to, the sin that so easily entangles. That's anything in our lives that is not either directly or indirectly sourced out of faith and trust in God as our loving Heavenly Father. It's anything that's the result of not finding what we need in Him or through Him. It's anything that is the result of being fearful rather than seeking to live out of faith in God. And it's about consecration, being focused, if you like. And the passage goes on to encourage us to run, to run with endurance the race that is set before us. I want to tell you another little story at this point. Cliff Young, an Australian farmer, was my third cousin. I never knew him, but he became a marathon runner in his 60s and was very, very well known over all Australia. In 1983, at the age of 61, he won the first race that he entered, and it was the 544-mile Sydney to Melbourne endurance race, equal to running 21 marathons back-to-back. Cliff took out his false teeth to run because they rattled, and he even ran in his ordinary working clothes and boots, convinced that he could finish the course because he'd been used to running every day while he was doing his job in the outback on his farm. He was the slowest runner in the race by a long way. But he ran for 18 hours in every 24, when everybody else kind of ran for a much shorter period each day. And gradually he overtook all the others. And in the end he finished knocking two whole days off the record. He simply kept on keeping on, keeping his eyes fixed on the finish. And in the end, most amazing thing of all, really, 
he won a $10,000 prize, which he gave away to all the other five finishers. Amazing story, which I find very moving. Hebrews 12.3 says, Consider him who endured from sinners such hostility against himself, so that you may not grow weary or faint-hearted. The challenge for us is that we often give in to weariness or become faint-hearted in the face of life's difficulties and challenges. And that's especially true in these times in which we live. Those who are among the great cloud of witnesses did not submit to discouragement and difficulty, but with courage kept on running the race that was set before them. They were encouraged to do that by the Holy Spirit dwelling in them and kept running because of the joy that they knew was in front of them, the infinite, profound joy of heaven. Whoever would want to hold on to the burdens and the sin when the fullness of the joy of heaven is promised? The encouragement is simply to let burdens and sin go and to lay it all to one side to enable the race to be run. But I tell you this, that's not always an easy thing to do. And I'm so thankful that when we do struggle to let go and trust him, God comes after us, pursues us and turns our gaze towards him. It simply behoves us willingly to respond to him when he does so. And here quickly are just two examples from scripture. The first is how God dealt with the hindrance of fear in the life of Elijah. Remember the story from 1 Kings 19. Elijah had fled from the to the desert, afraid of Jezebel. He was fed and given water by an angel to strengthen him. And he came to Horeb, where God himself said to him, What are you doing here, Elijah? And God then appears to Elijah in the silence of a cave. He hears the still small voice as God recommissions him. And it was the Spirit of God then that enabled Elijah to respond and to pick up again the baton of his prophetic ministry. 2 Timothy 1 Verse 7 says, For God gave us a spirit, not of fear, but of power and love and self-control. And the second story is about the failure of Peter and how Jesus himself dealt with that hindrance. Jesus came to Peter after he had denied him three times. Three times Jesus said to him, Do you love me? Feed my sheep. He pulled Peter back into love and acceptance and called him back into caring for the people. You see, failure doesn't define you. It's Jesus who is the one who does that. And those in the cloud of witnesses simply followed his example, who for the joy that was set before him endured the cross. You see, Jesus did what he did for the sake of joy, the joy of seeing lost humanity redeemed, restored, and themselves enjoying the joy of heaven. There's joy in heaven because Jesus fulfilled the Father's will. And Luke 15 says there's joy in heaven over one sinner that repents. 
There's joy in the Godhead, Father, Son and Holy Spirit at the redemption of mankind, at the prospect of the restoring of all creation, of which process redeemed people are the first fruits. There's joy in the Godhead at themselves being surrounded by the redeemed, the great cloud of witnesses. And there's joy when we progress in the Christian life in spite of problems. One day we will all experience this joy in full. But now through the fullness of the Holy Spirit, even in the face of life's challenges, we can know it in a far greater measure than we sometimes dare to imagine. We come into joy in fullness in heaven, but since Pentecost it's already poured out in great measure on us, though not to the extent to which we will experience it there. And we're to be an expression of joy in a world which often completely lacks it. And that great cloud of witnesses looking on from heaven is willing us to keep pressing into the joy that Jesus won for us. So how do we do that as we come into land? We need simply to desire to know Jesus more and to let that desire grow in us. Feed that desire through what we read and what we think about and by seeking to know God's presence with us more and more, encouraging one another as we do so. When that is our stance, it's like opening the door of our hearts to him to fill us with joy even more. Jeremiah 29:13 says, You'll seek me and find me when you seek me with all your heart. I want to finish with a final story. Having been converted in a Billy Graham rally in the mid-1950s, my mother was baptised in the Holy Spirit in the 1960s as the charismatic renewal was getting underway. Even though she faithfully read her Bible, prayed, went to chapel for years, she had up to that point been feeling that her Christian life lacked something significant. There's got to be more than this, she would say to herself. And for a long time she expressed this hunger in her heart to God, praying daily. And then one evening, Sunday evening service, sitting up in the gallery in the chapel that we went to in those days, God came on her. It was right in the middle of the sermon. Suddenly she felt a strong desire to laugh just welling up inside. She couldn't hold it in. She stuffed a handkerchief in her mouth to stop laughing out loud as she experienced a tremendous feeling of joy. She was never the same again after that, I can tell you. So be encouraged by the great cloud of witnesses who surround us to keep pursuing the joy of heaven that Jesus has won for us, laying to one side anything that prevents us from knowing it more. And let us keep running the race that is marked out for us so that the world can come to know it too. God bless you. Thank you for listening.